Yeah, still to come in our new extended health report, a controversial breast cancer diagnosis, what it means for women who receive it. New research provides some illumination. There is still lots of COVID around, although the Christmas surge may be showing signs of tailing off. And yet again, there was a spike in hospital admissions. But there's still complacency. According to Australian government data, there are still about 300,000 Australians who are unvaccinated and 18 million 18 million who haven't had a booster in the last six months. So there are quite a few in our midst who are under-vaccinated. What may be in people's minds is whether it matters. Well, British researchers have analysed a vast amount of data from the UK's National Health Service looking at the impact of under-vaccination on the incidence of severe COVID disease. The senior author was Sir Aziz Sheikh, Professor of Primary Care Research and Development and Dean of Data at the University of Edinburgh. I spoke to him earlier. It's a pleasure to be with you. Let's just define under-vaccination. What do you mean by under-vaccination? We looked at how many vaccine doses individuals should have had according to our UK government's recommendations. So at the time of the study, depending on your age, it could have been one, two, three or four doses. And then looked at individuals who had received less than the recommended number of doses and those individuals we defined as being under-vaccinated. And were there features of people who were under-vaccinated? Were they younger, older, poorer, richer? Yeah, so we looked at uh, risk factors for under-vaccination. And so we saw this to be more common in males, those from poorer backgrounds, so socioeconomically deprived, and then also those who had non-white ethnic backgrounds. One of the purposes of the study was to find out what were the implications of under-vaccination in terms of COVID-19 if you actually caught it. What did you find? We were particularly interested in severe COVID-19 outcomes, either being hospitalised for COVID-19 or dying from COVID-19. And what we found was that under-vaccination was associated with increased risk of those severe COVID-19 outcomes. What we also found was a dose-dependent relationship. So the more doses of vaccines that you miss, the greater the risk of these outcomes. Now, you say dose-dependent, which means the number of booster shots that the person had. What the Israeli data looked at earlier on in the pandemic was the time between doses. In other words, did the risk rise six months afterwards or a year afterwards? And I think the Israeli data showed that the risk was pretty low six months and started to increase up to about a year. Were you able to determine what the risk change was according to the spacing between booster shots? Not in this particular study. That wasn't a question that we were looking at. But what we have shown from earlier studies is that there is definite vaccine waning that occurs. And so booster doses are periodically needed. What percentage of the population of Britain was under-vaccinated or is under-vaccinated? We were surprised that it was almost 50% of the population. So, I mean, 45% of the population had missed one or more dose. You talked about it not being evenly distributed. If you look at Australia, the rate of under-vaccination in the over-65s is much lower than in the under-65s. In other words, people who are older seem to have got the message. Yeah, I think individuals are probably to an extent making a risk calculus in that respect. The Australian population is also majorly under-vaccinated across the board, less so in the older group. What reasons are British coming up with for people not being vaccinated? Well, I think there are a number of reasons that need to be thought about. One is about how effective the messaging is getting through to various communities, and particularly our minority ethnic communities, for example. 
I think another issue then is around sort of convenience. So, I mean, are we actually offering these vaccines in as convenient locations as possible? So could we be doing more, for example, to offer vaccines in schools or in workplaces? Another dimension to all of this, Norman, is there's a lot of vaccine misinformation out there as well. And as a result, vaccine hesitancy, I think, in certain sections of the population. Just finally, and going back to the study, you did a counterfactual here. In other words, you said to yourself, well, if the population had been fully vaccinated, what would have been saved, lives saved, hospitalization saved by age group? What did you find? During the study period, what we had was around 40,000 hospitalizations or deaths from COVID. And our counterfactual scenario indicated that around 7,000 of those severe events would have been prevented had there been full vaccination coverage. So important in its own right, but particularly when our NHS is under so much pressure as well, really, that a lot of these events are potentially preventable. And quite a few in the younger age groups. So this was far from isolated to those age 75 and over. So we're seeing events being prevented I mean, across all age groups. However, I mean, as we'd expect, I mean, the majority of those events are in older people. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Aziz Sheikh is Professor of Primary Care Research and Development at the University of Edinburgh. Listen to more great stories that take you beyond the headlines. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.